You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Faye, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the tingly mic drop moments that led you to becoming an artist. Andrea Siglowski is a riveting actress who thrives on stage and in film and television. Just a few of Andrea's credits include Passover, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, Queens, Lost in Yonkers, Venus in Fur, A Doll's House, and Dear Elizabeth. Andrea currently stars in the hit play Dig by Teresa Rebeck. Presented by Primary Stages, Dig is play at 59 East 59 Theaters. Welcome! Hi. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a joy to have you here. I love this play so much, and I love that you originated the role of Megan. Yeah. Back. No, it's such a gift to be doing it again. Yeah, because you originally did it um, at the Dorset Theater Festival, right, in 2019. So I'd love to to have you bring us to when Dig came into your life. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so beautiful. I um, I first met Teresa in 2016, 2017. We worked on a play called The Nest at the Denver Center. Um, and Dave Mason, who is also in Dig, uh, was starring in that. And um, Teresa and I just got along splendidly and um, continued to work together through the years. And when Dig was happening at Dorset, I remember she called me and she said, uh, I have this great part for you and I really want you to do it. And I, and I had already worked at Dorset twice. I had done a play called Cry It Out there the year before and Dear Elizabeth there um, several years prior. And I said, Teresa, I would love to work with you again. I'm not sure I can afford to do a play this summer. Um, and she said, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, it bodes well for Teresa. She said, I really need you to do this and we'll work on the compensation, even if I have to pay you out of my pocket. Wow. 
So to have an artist yeah. invest in you like that, um, especially because I met her a couple years out of Juilliard. And then I read the play and Gerald, I was like, I remember I was reading it in bed and just sobbing. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that she had captured a character that was so complicated and so complex and was really on, you know, the, th the was on the thread of survival. Um, and I was so fascinated by the relationship Megan had with the character Roger yeah. because I'd never really seen a relationship like that on stage. And yet they sort of exist in our world all over the place. Just this idea of this concept of kindness. Yeah. Um, and so there was something about it that felt sort of like Tennessee Williams in a way, yes. all of the, all of the, you know, when you're talking about recovery and addiction and trauma and uh, cycles of abuse and, and yet it's so funny, Yes, you know, because Teresa has just this wit about her um, and I just fell in love with it. So when we went to Dorset to do it, I just felt uh, totally blessed and fell in love with Jeffrey Bean, who plays Roger and everybody else in the cast. It was such a gift. It really was. For someone who might ask, what is Dig About? What would you say? Um, I would say that it, it's a play about, well, <laughs> there are two answers to that. I mean, you could say it's a play about um, a shop owner who runs a um, shop in the Midwest, a plant shop. Um, a woman enters his life. She has just... Um, experiences significant strain of tragic events and is now home living with her father um, and is looking for a place to belong yes. um, and a way to survive. And um, it's about, you know, hope, I think, uh, yes. redemption and above all forgiveness uh, and self-forgiveness, really. The how do we forgive ourselves for the quote-unquote um, crimes that we feel we've committed to ourselves and others, you know. Yeah. Um, it's about survival. Yes. It really is. And I also think it's yeah. about generosity, generosity of spirit. Yes. And I think of the beautiful Joan Didion quote, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And I, oh. I think about the stories everybody in that play tells themselves about themselves especially and about others yeah that's so beautiful that's a beautiful quote it's something yeah it is and that's so true because um without giving anything away megan has built a story about herself about yes. her life um and you know it, it you're hitting on something it is about truth and how we define that for ourselves um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny because before we started this interview, you said you keep thinking about the play. I keep thinking about the play and I'm doing it every day, but I always go home with some new spark of understanding or a different way of looking at something. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, the thing that I want to see on stage is re a relationship. Yes. <laughs> evolve. And the relationship she has with everybody in the play, um, 
I think her relationship with Roger is just totally beautiful. Yes, and, and unique. And so unique. And so unique. And so unique. What we often, a kind of relationship, especially between um, a man and a woman that we don't usually see. No. Dare I say it? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, what do you love about Megan? She's like, he's, she's so complex. And I think about what she's told herself and what other people have told her, what her own father has said, the story he's created about her. What, I know. what do you love about her? Oh my gosh. I, I love, I love so much about her, but you know, I really think that uh, she's not, I mean, it'd be so easy to look at her, the circumstances of her life. She's been in jail. She uh, was in a psych ward. Mm -hmm. She's been to rehab. You could think of her as a victim, but she's so strong. And the thing that I love about Megan is that her if you really break it down and you get down to the bottom layer, the reason for all of these things that have transpired in her life is because her heart is so big. Yes. I think underneath of it all, her ability to love is so big. And I really do believe um, uh, that this ch child uh, that, that she brought into this world really saved her life. Yes. I mean, I really feel like the love that a mother has for their child is, is, you know, I think that she, her ability to love is, it's huge. I mean, we see her after her heart has been broken. Yes. But a heart that isn't that big won't broken that, that kind of enormity. Do you know yes. what I mean? Um, and that's the thing that completely draws me to her. I keep thinking of this word ferocity. Uh, she is such ferocity, she a does. rage, but also a ferocity of love, as you say. It's and have, it feels um, very primal. Yeah, you know, because if you're going to look at animals in the wild with their young, you they always say like, do you, you don't want to cross a bear if if her cub is close to her. Yeah, you know that exists. I think in. Uh, us, the animal part of our human, uh, humanness, you know, I, I, and I, I think that that also, um, having been around folks in recovery, um, that the early stages of getting sober or, um, getting clean, that sort of, uh, it breaks something open inside of you. And it feels so human, this ferocity that she's, uh, you know, that's getting directed outside of her. It's, it's a reaction to how much she is hurting herself on the inside. Um, and it just, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's very unique. It's very unique, but it feels very primal. Uh, and I think about the ensemble and how you operate together in this beautiful whole. And I w was reading a uh, Laura Collins Hughes, writing in the New York Times, she wrote, this intelligent, compassionate, beautifully acted dramedy directed by the playwright for primary stages is not a downer. Reba mm. has spiked her script with comedy and enlisted a cast as nimble with laugh lines as with prickliness and pain. Yeah. 
It's that's beautiful. Yeah. I hadn't read that, so that's you great to hear. <laughs> no, but that's that's beautiful. That's really beautiful, and it's so true. Um, I think you know what is. I, I wish somebody came in to film like the cast an hour before the show, because if you were to watch Jeffrey and Trini and Mary. Um, and Greg and I and Dave interact with one another. We just make each other laugh. There's so much love inside that cast, which allows for you, I think, uh, in an artistic setting, for you to be that ferocious with one another because you know at the end of the day there's going to be a hug. And, you know, Dave Mason, who plays, uh, without giving anything away, my ex-husband, is the kindest person you will ever meet. Ugh. <laughs> you know, so people will be like, he's really just, he, and I'm like, yeah, he's the kindest human. We have this, um, you know, cast text thread. We're in constant communication, sending jokes to each other. And, you know, Greg Keller, this is like the fourth production I've done with him. He was also in Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven. Um, there's a lot of levity. And I think like outside of the two hours that we're on stage. And I think that really helps. They're funny, funny people. And Teresa, we did a talk back last week and Teresa was saying, you know, when she, she kind of has her posse, I guess. Mm. Um, we've all worked with her several times, everybody in the cast. And she says like, she sort of looks for actors who have uh, a solid heart, a lot of training, and also um, an ability to laugh at one another. And that is, everybody in the cast. And I love that she's directing it, which is so great. Does that give it more insight? Because she's the playwright so you, and obviously the director. What is that like? I love it. I, I love it because I don't, I think that the endorse it, the thing that I recognized because I sort of came in telling jokes and she was like no you you don't have to worry about the language I took care of that you can just play the circumstances of the character um so in a lot of ways you know that there's you know you you know that you're trying to um bring to life the playwright's vision no matter what play you're doing but when she's the director there's no middleman. You just know that this, okay, this is what she wants. So this is what I'm going to try to deliver. Um, and this is how she envisions her play. Uh, and she, she's an excellent director, I have to say. And we've been talking, I'd love to work with her on a, a play. I'd love to see her direct me in a play that's not even hers. We were talking about doing Summer and Smoke <gasps> at Dorset, you know, oh, um, yeah, she's really, really, really smart and compassionate um, and compassionate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply here and what's the joy yeah. of working with primary stages and also be at 50 line east 50 line theaters oh geez you know i think this play it, when we did it at dorset the stage it was like almost 
twice as big. The audience was almost twice as big. This beautiful, intimate space allows for even more of a less acting, more reality, you know, to take place in front of you. And primary stages, I mean, they are like, they love artists. We just feel so, all of us across the board feel so appreciated there. And I have to say, you know, having Mary Bacon um, in this cast, I feel like Andrew Lindsay, um, who very recently passed away, who's the artistic director at Primary Stages, you know, it was his vision to bring Dig from Dorset to his theater. And he, his spirit of generosity just feels so alive. And Mary Bacon is such a gorgeous human and a gorgeous actor. We are so lucky that she is on stage with us. Um, she just brings so much authenticity and to everything that we're doing since we're, we're yeah. How, because how big is the uh, theater? How many seats is it? It's like less. I think it's up close to 250. Yeah. It's I small. mean, you literally feel like you're in the flower shop. Yeah, while yeah. you're there, you know, which is... <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I mean, they're like two feet away. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, that person is two feet away. The other night, I think I had like a tissue and it flew out of my hand into the lap of somebody in the front row. And, you know, we came out for a bow and he was, thank you, thank you, thank you, handing my tissue back to me. I mean, like that's real live theater happening yes. in front of you, you know? <laughs> the joy of it. Yeah. yeah. So I'd love to know what your lightning strikes moment was or, or moments were, you know, when you knew you had to be an artist. You said you went to Juilliard, but how did you, when did it first happen that you knew this was your path? You know, I think it's, um, I was, uh, I think there are like little pennies that drop along the way, but it's funny. I was reading a, a diary entry of mine. Uh, from when I was 10 years old and I had never acted a day in my life. You know, my sister um, was, uh, she's eight years older than me and I sort of worshiped her as a little kid. So she did theater and I remember going to watch her play the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. I was like three or four. So I know that that had an impression on me. And then at some point when I was 10, I wrote in this journal, like I'm, I wrote like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to go to California. I'm going to, you know, it was just this list. I don't know where it came from, but it was there. Um, I studied at the University of Southern California uh, theater program in undergrad. Um, and I had beautiful teachers there who I'm still in touch with. And even, you know, I went to, um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and I went to a, a a small high school, public school, but we happened to have a great drama teacher, you know? So I was doing Antigone and the heiress in Re and um, my senior year of high school and Reckless, and he cast me as the lead. So I think he saw something in me. Um, and I remember being on stage in Reckless and taking that ride, that beautiful play that Craig Lucas wrote and getting lost inside that story and just thinking, wow, this is, amazing. I just, to feel so alive and to affect people, you know, around you, it just felt like such a calling. And in fact, you know, my high school drama teacher came to dig two days ago and it was such a full circle, you know, beautiful moment. 
And then I decided to go to Juilliard for another four years, mostly because I fell in love with uh, Jim Houghton, um, who unfortunately is no longer with us. But he uh, he really brought me into that school and he just he was so inspirational. Everything that he did, everything he thought about the theater, how impassioned he was. Um, so it's just like teachers who have believed in me along the way. I think that's how it happens. Do you remember what it was or um, that that first drama teacher, that wonderful drama teacher in your high school saw? Did did they ever articulate what it was? That I should ask. I sh uh, I will ask Rob Henry about that. Um, I know that I had never really act. I played sports growing up, and I really uh, wanted to be. You know, I'm five foot five. I wanted to be in the WNBA. That was like my dream. And my sophomore year of high school, um, they were doing this play called Jake's Women, yes. which is sort of hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember auditioning for it. And I think I just, I think what he would say is that I had some kind of uh, authentic, like emotional connection to material. I don't know. You know what? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. And I'd love to ask him. Um, because he just kept giving me these beautiful parts. Um, yeah, but I think also you have to want to do it, right? Yes. Do you remember how it made you feel those first few times be on stage? Yeah, I think the most amazing, I, I mean, I think I heard Ed Harris talk about this once and I was like, yeah, that's it. I think that, you know, we train to sort of get back to our like original instincts. It's sort of like the first day of rehearsal at a table read. Everything is there for you. And then you spend rehearsal trying to get back to whatever those instincts that you, the impulses you have about the character or the story. I remember going on stage in Reckless where I didn't leave the stage the whole time. And I knew I could hear the audience laughing. I could hear them crying. But I was so focused on what I was doing um, and I remember kind of coming out for curtain call and going like what just happened you know I, I had no memory because I had just was able to become so consumed and involved in the story that I was telling or the character I was playing and that just felt so liberating to me and, you know, I also remember seeing Our Town, a production of Our Town at my high school. And when Emily comes out in the last act and she's able to stop time for a moment and look at life, the ability. And I think theater has the ability to do that. We go in the theater, we spend two hours and we can stop time. And, you know, Emily has that beautiful line. Um, does anybody ever realize life, the saints or poets, maybe they do some. I think theater artists do that too. Because I remember watching her, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for sunflowers and blue iron dresses and mama and papa and going home and seeing my parents and thinking like, I love you. I'm so happy to be alive. You know, it is that celebration of, of life. And I, I think that's, that was the experience I had you know, the first time doing this. And it happens, it happens in DIG all the time. You know, I'm so grateful to be able to be doing it 20 years later. Well, I think of it 
just that opening scene where you're in the corner, I won't give it away, and we haven't heard any a peep out of you. You're in the corner, and you are so alive. And it is breathtaking to see you, again, just see you exist on that stage, and you can tell there's something very very powerful going on with you very profound yeah we don't know what it is right but it is yeah. it is absolutely it's spellbinding to see you you know wow thank you really, you're welcome it is <laughs> but is it is there, <laughs> it really was it's an, a very exciting moment just that opening and there's all this life going on in the flower shop and there you are in the corner and something's going on. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what's going on with this human? Um, <laughs> <laughs> to go watch it to find out. Was there, is it possible though to point to a moment like between high school and college where you said okay but I'm this is I'm gonna put on my actor hat you know I'm gonna go follow this path you know it's not gonna be a hobby it's not gonna be easy and it's not um, gonna be easy but I'm gonna you know take the leap yeah I think that well I auditioned to get into USC I auditioned to get into Juilliard and I I uh Oh, gosh, I just had such... I mean, if you were to ask my parents about it, they they were also here this week because I have a very big birthday coming up on Thursday. Um, and they, you know, they really didn't want me to be an actor. I remember I had to really convince them. Um, and now, you know, they feel very differently, obviously. But I think because I had to really have so much conviction about it. And it helped that, you know... I, in undergrad, uh, it's like Jack Nicholson. I got the Jack Nicholson scholarship. So Jack Nicholson, and that, you know, to parents were like, we don't want her to do this. It's such a scary life. But, oh, Jack Nicholson is paying for her undergrad. And then, you know, in at Juilliard, it was like, oh, she got the Robin Williams scholarship. Those are two people my parents could sort of like go, okay, well, they're invested in our daughter, so maybe it won't be so bad. Um so I think, I think it was that, I mean, my first year of college, I did so many plays and I had just this, I had teachers like Laura Zane and Brent Blair, and they just saw something in me and they really cultivated it. And I came from, uh, most of the folks who went to the University of Southern California came from a really different background. Uh, I was just a like small town kid outside of Philadelphia who had a really big dream and it felt like a miracle getting into that school. Um, so I worked really, really hard. I worked really hard. Do you remember the audition? For <laughs> what I did do. You, yeah, what did you do for the audition? <laughs> for USC, yeah. um, I remember <laughs> I did three monologues. I did uh, a monologue <laughs> from, it's like so inappropriate when you think of like a 16-year-old kid doing this, but... There is a Michael Christopher play called um, Sh The Shadow Box. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, there was a monologue from that. <laughs> it's dark. Um, I did a monologue from John Patrick Shanley's play Savage in Limbo. Oof. 
and uh, All's Well That Ends Well by William Shakespeare. And I, you know, I can't remember like lines from plays I did last year, but I can remember every word of those <laughs> monologues that I learned when I was 18. So. And at that point, did you have technique? Did, had you studied other than, I mean, no. you were doing all these plays, but you didn't yeah. have technique. I mean, that you would, you know, I mean, it was an inner technique. Yeah. An inner technique. Yeah, there was a small theater called the Hedger Theater outside of Philadelphia where I took acting classes. And uh, I think when I was like 13, I did Romeo and Juliet there. And the Romeo was 30, which is so crazy. But they, I learned, I mean, I just watched them and learned from them. I remember there was an actor there who went to Juilliard. His name was Jared Reed. Um, so I got to... With, I mean, Philadelphia is a really beautiful cultural place. I got to witness really great actors, you know, on stage. And I loved movies, you know. I, that was the other thing. It was like there wasn't much to do. So I loved watching television. I loved watching movies. And I remember, I mean, I was like in love with Kate Winslet from a really young age. It's like I saw, it's embarrassing now, but I mean, I remember seeing like, she did this film version of Hamlet and her Ophelia was so beautiful and heartbreaking. And then she was in the Titanic and there was something about her that I just thought, oh my gosh, she, this is such a beautiful actor. I want to do that. Um, and so on and so on. Yeah. You know? What was a beautiful movie she did a very early on about, um, from these. Oh uh, my gosh. So, yeah. and with, uh, the other you gorgeous um, actor Melanie Linsky, yes, right? Yes, yes. It oh, was so gorgeous. Yes, hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, what's some of the best acting advice that you've gotten over the year? Or is there a mantra yeah. you say when you <laughs> take on the role? Well, you know, it's funny. I saw that you interviewed Stephen McKinley Henderson, and um, yeah. Gorgeous, oh. beautiful theater luminary. Oh. Um, he was a teacher of mine at Juilliard too, oh. and he's Jeffrey Bean's mentor. So we uh, we quote Stephen McKinley Henderson quite often. He always says, "Don't get it right, get it true." And the other oh. thing he says is, "Breathe and be caused." Um, and I think about, you know, I think about that all the time you know there's also you have to sort of um I started teaching acting during the pandemic when everything shut down which is why I think it's just a miracle we're back even having a conversation at about a play that's happening um but I think you sort of have to there's like a leap of faith it's a spiritual experience you sort of have to trust yourself enough to do the work and then just let it all go and see what happens I love that. You know? Yes. Trust, trust. Trust. And and forgive me that the film was Heavenly Creatures that Kate Winslet did. That's it. Yeah, That's hideous. it. Yeah. <laughs> Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures. So beautiful. Yes. Very early on in her career. And you could see mm -hmm. the workings of, yeah, this beautiful actress. She's... So beautiful. Yeah. Is there a role you're aching to take on or is it yet to be written or... Yeah you would just love to play? Oh my gosh. Um, 
you know, there are actors that I want to work with more than there are roles that I want to play. Uh, but, you know, I, <laughs> I have this, like, dream of doing Streetcar with Marin Ireland. <gasps> I really do. Just like, Ooh. just a, it's just a little quiet dream since I've been watching her work. She's one of my favorite actors. Yes. I'm like, wow, I'd really like to do that play. Not, I, I mean, it's never been done before. So. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that would be incredible. You know, who would play who? Or you know what? You could switch off like little foxes. We could switch off I like little switch. foxes. <laughs> yeah. She was on this podcast too. Where she's wonderful. Was she? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I just adore her work. I'm like a huge fan. Who would you? Huge so fan. do you see yourself as a, a more of a Stella or? I think so. I or, think so. Uh, With, yeah. I mean, that Lynch. switch off situation is a really great idea, Gerald. That would be so good. Or what if that? Maybe somebody will hear this and dream that up somewhere. Um, and I'm sure Marin would be, uh, she would take that on in a heartbeat. But, you know, they're just writers that I love to work with. You know, I'd love to work with, I love Stephen Edley Gerrigus, obviously, and He's the best. And Teresa, you know, John Patrick Shanley. And I love Martina Mayok's work. And there's a young writer. His name's Paris Creighton III. And he wrote this amazing play called The Blue Swan um, that the gorgeous, incredible actor Carrie Young and I did a reading of over COVID. I'd like to see that produced somewhere. Yeah. Well, you've, as you mentioned, you've, Martina... You know, of course, Teresa, Steven. I mean, you've worked with some of the most phenomenal playwrights yeah. of our time. What does yes. what does that give you working with you know a playwright like a Martina or Teresa or Steven? Yeah. Oh and, gosh, they're all but all three of those Amy writers Herzog, are just Sarah Rule. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, just luminaries. You know, they're just luminaries. I I think, I mean, I just love writers so much because I honestly, it's like I can go on stage and sort of, you know, you can wonder what's going on in my mind in the beginning of the play, but I get, I, I get to tell you through the guise of somebody else's words. It's like, if you look at Teresa or Martina or Steven, if we're talking about the three of them, they put their they put themselves out there. They put themselves on the line. And I'm I'm very close to all three of those people. And I see the, you know, the cost that that it that it has on them. It's a it's like the ultimate gift of generosity. Ultimate gift of generosity. And I think as an actor, we're interpreters, you know, we're like in service of of their life and their vision and their stories. And those three writers, you know, they tell stories incredibly well. And, it, you know, it's just that's that's the real dream, I think, for actors is to be able to work on material that is just so a lot, like you said, alive. Yes, yes. Well, it's such a gift to see your work, Andrea. Thank you so, oh, thank you so much, much for coming on the show. And of course, thank you so much for having me. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Sarah Goodman and produced by Anna Strout.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.